the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Pokes. Colby Powell with you as always on this Wednesday. Reminder, every show in the month of May brought to you by Built Bar. Head over to BuiltBar.com. Check out everything they have to offer. Great user-friendly website. Front page, you can see everything they've got. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive $10 off your first Order and getting locked on with us on this Wednesday, as always, is former Oklahoma State Cowboy Dion Imade. Dion, what's going on? Nothing much, Colby. Just another wonderful day in the neighborhood, living the quarantine life. And I'm sure that you uh, enjoyed the final two episodes of The Last Dance on Sunday. Oh, I certainly did, man. Like, I like I wanted my big question going into watching those episodes was. Well, mainly for episode 10, did it seem to rush? Because they were, there were so many talks about everybody saying it's still being edited and they're still working on it, da da da, this and that. And it was funny because I thought they might have tried to cover up some things or like, you know, fix some of the mistakes they thought they might have made throughout the process of the documentary where they kind of threw in a couple of, you know, immediate family members of Michael Jordan, his three kids. Uh, and then with everybody at the end kind of saying or acknowledging that uh, the, the general manager, Jerry, kind of, you know, was good at his job. So it, it was funny to see all that. I mean, the, the part with the, uh, what, what's his name, Kerr, and his father and all this. That's like that's that's one of the things I'm going to mainly take away from the documentary. I had no idea that what his family history was and how his dad lost his life and how he kind of you know was uh, could relate to Michael in that sort of way. I don't know what you're talking about because again, I'm a little bit behind. Uh, I think I found where I can find these and watch them and stream them. The problem is my wife watched the first four with me, so she wants to watch the last six with me. So I'm kind of trying to wait on her to watch these, but we are in the middle right now. Have you ever watched All American on Netflix? Bro, I haven't. Everybody is so late on All American. I've been. Were you watching it on CW? I was watching on the CW. I've watched every episode like on my DVR, like since when it's airing. Like I was one That's of the wild. first ones because I listened to a, a podcast and the creator of the or who that story is about, or one of the writers and the uh, former professional uh, football player, and he was talking about this uh, show being you know greenlit by the CW like two years ago when I was listening to the podcast. So I knew about it a long time ago. Wanted to get into it. And I've been up on it for a long time. It's a great show, man. Everybody's just now getting on it, but I've been on it. So that's what I'm saying. Like, it just now kind of got big. I didn't know about it until recently when it got big on Netflix. So my wife and I started watching it. I mean, I'd say we probably started watching it about a week ago. I think we've already watched the first 15 episodes. So, I mean, we are powering through this All-American. And the thing is, 
I kind of would like to deviate and watch the last dance before it no longer is a talking point. But at the same time, my wife wants to keep watching all American and all American is a great show. So we just keep watching all American. The next thing you know, I get further and further removed from the last dance. But uh, once we're done with this, I assure you, I'm going to go back and watch the last dance. But uh, yeah, all Americans a great show. We watched outer banks before that. Uh, I don't know if you watched that one or not. That's the new one on Netflix. You seen that one? No, I haven't seen that one. My question, though, for you, and it kind of leans toward the marital side of things, me being a single male, like, <laughs> I watch what, what I watch when I want to watch it, whenever I want to watch But the whole, like, watching something with your spouse, how, you know, frustrating is that? Not to get you in too much trouble, but, I mean, like, what... Sure, how, she ain't how listening. scrutiny your... <laughs> how much? How much? You know, should I be wary of watching a show with my significant other in the first place? Because like, it, it kind of seems like you're just like, well, I don't want to start this show with her because she's not going to be around, or he's not going to be around. So, like, do you try? Do you try to find things you like together, or do you try to be like, oh crap, she likes it now, I got to watch it with her, and now I got to, you know, slow my process. Yeah, that's a that's a tricky question. So. It depends on what kind of show it is. Like you say, you know, you watch what you want to watch when you want to watch it. Whenever it comes to sports, I do too. And my wife is incredibly gracious letting me watch sports anytime it's on. Uh, this past Sunday, I don't know, you're not a golf guy. You probably didn't watch the Matthew Wolf, Ricky Fowler thing. I'm sure you saw people tweeting about it. I watched that from one o'clock when it started uh, and watched every second of it until like 545 when it was over. So, you know, one of my buddies came over. We enjoyed that. But as far as watching like Netflix shows go, it just depends on if you start it with her. If you start it with her, like if it is a show at all that you started with her, you cannot watch ahead. You cannot watch ahead. It is a cardinal sin. You will be uh, you will be in big, big trouble if you watch ahead because that's like that's an us thing. You know what I mean? That's an us thing. Yeah. I but here's my question: Do you know this from prior experience, or is this something that you've just been told, or just you know that just doesn't fly in your household? Man, it's been a long as as time. Watching ahead. It's been a long time. I think I watched ahead on something when we were like back in college. I couldn't wait or something. Maybe she was working because I think maybe our junior or senior year, she worked in the evening. She worked at the OSU call center and she worked in the evening sometimes. So she wouldn't get home till like nine o'clock. And I think I, I think I watched ahead on a show in college and uh, learned my lesson because I don't think it went over real well. I mean, I don't think she like came home and like started yelling at me, cussing me out or anything. I just think that, you know, she was a little bit hurt that I did not wait on her to finish watching the show. So yeah, it's a, it's a fine line. Let me ask you this and then we'll move on. I promise everybody. We're not going to talk about TV for 25 minutes, but I want to, were you a game of Thrones guy? I was, here's the thing. I was as early as I was on all American. I was, Super late on Game of Thrones, and it happened when I like so hurt I. my hip last year. I hurt my hip. I was at the house, didn't have nothing to do, so I went ahead and started Game of Thrones, and I was addicted from the second episode on. So yesterday was the first anniversary, one year ago since the final episode of Game of Thrones aired. And whenever I heard that yeah. yesterday was the anniversary, it made me so mad. That was one of the worst finales of all time. Please tell me you agree. I, here's the thing, I was, like, I did the whole, you know, I did the whole binge through Game of Thrones, so I went through all of it, like, I don't know if the ending hit me as hard as it hit everybody else, now, was it, 
you know, like I don't, I, I didn't like the way it ended because of, you know, what transpired between the two main characters. But like, I wasn't like, you know, like just heartbroken about it. I just, I thought it was very questionable, but I didn't think it was just like, oh my God, this was terrible, terrible, terrible. Television. Okay. So I was late getting in, but I wasn't as late as you were. So my wife and I still had to wait the couple years for the last couple seasons to come out. And I mean, I would have yeah. been even more mad if I would have invested eight years, nine years of my life. I only invested like yeah. three years of my life waiting for it to come back <laughs> around. And man, I was so mad when the finale aired. My wife kept trying to tell me it's fine. It was okay. I'm like, it is not fine. It is not fine. <laughs> one of the, so the reason I brought it up is because one of the actresses, you remember the, uh, the sorcerer, the red woman, the sorcerer, I don't remember what her name was. The she, oh, the one with the red hair. Yeah, the red yeah, woman. Yeah. Sacrificed the uh, yeah. Stannis' kid at the burned her alive, whatever. Um, right, 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 right. The actress who played her, did a, an interview recently and was asked about it being the one-year anniversary coming up, uh, and she said that going back and looking at the finale, it, quote, looks like we mailed it in. Wow. That's one of the actresses on the I show. Mean, I feel vindicated I, I, for my opinion about Game of Thrones mailing it in. I don't know if she's supposed to be saying those type of stuff. Though. I mean, she might get trouble in Hollywood. I was fixing to say. That's a bold strategy. <laughs> That's a bold yeah. strategy. Yeah, it's like leaving one team and then you start bad mouthing your coach. Exactly. That's yeah. Exactly what it's like. Not a good strategy. Uh, all right, we had planned on having that discussion for about two minutes and we had it for about 10 minutes. So we're going to take a break and we're going to come back on the other side. Uh, and I want to talk to Dion about kind of what a typical offseason is like for a college football player because obviously this year has been so much different. The Big 12 had some conversations yesterday about what to do now, when to bring players back, how to try to get the season started on time. So we'll talk about all that coming up on the other side. Stay with us here on Lockdown Pokes. into Locked on Pokes here on the Locked on Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network in the country. Head over to LockedOnPodcast.com. Check out everything Locked on has to offer. And remember, every show in the month of May brought to you by Built Bar. Uh, BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive $10 off your first order. Dion Amade joining me as he always does on Wednesdays. So yesterday, some some... Words came out uh, from the Big 12, Dion, that they're looking at when to bring players back. And uh, Bob Bowlesby told the Dallas Morning News yesterday, he said a return could be earlier in June, it could be mid-June, it could be late June, or early July. We have some work to do to come up with a recommendation for our CEOs as well. We're still in midstream. We have to get back by sometime around the middle of July, because otherwise we'll have to push the season back. Uh, Robert Allen had reported earlier this week that Oklahoma State, TCU, and West Virginia were the loudest voices in favor of returning, while Texas, OU, and Baylor are the most against it. Um, So it's, you know, Texas and OU obviously still carry a lot of the water for the conference, especially OU, with what they've accomplished on a national stage over the last few years. But I'm curious, did you find... um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I guess Bob Bowlesby's last comment there where he said we have to get back by sometime around the middle of July because otherwise we'll have to push the season back. I guess there's some substance there. But but the way he started off that quote, well, we could return in early June or mid-June or late July or early July. It's There, there just wasn't a lot of substance to what Bob Bowlesby had to say. And I feel like people are kind of eating this up. But, 
I don't know, maybe people are just craved for anything talking about sports and talking about college football, but I didn't feel like there was actually a whole lot of substance to what Bob Bowlesby had to say yesterday. I don't think we know anything more than what we knew. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Bob Bowlesby is trying to protect himself and the Big 12 as a whole and trying to be inconspicuous as far as not giving too much if they're going to do something or if they're going to allow the players to come back uh, on time, then it kind of gives the fans hope. And then if something goes in, in disarray, then the fans are, you know, mad at the the big 12 and him personally. And then if he says that we're not going to come back and then something, everybody's good towards the end of this pandemic. And then they do come back and then they're going to be like, Oh, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Now we are back to this and that. And so, so they're just trying to protect themselves as far as, you know, in a situation where they're not, you know, experts and they don't know what's going to happen. Nobody really knows what's going to happen once they start letting everybody out into the public and these businesses start opening up if the curve is going to go up or if the curve is going to go back down. So we're try- everybody's just trying to say the right thing so they, they're covering both sides of, in case in either one of these things occur. I understand the thing that differentiates that that's kind of interesting is the schools that are in favor of coming back and the schools that are against it. And Baylor and Texas, I mean, being the two that, you know, are kind of in favor of, you know, holding off and waiting, it, 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 it makes sense because they're in the highest population state where they're both in Texas and that's a, that's a big, big area. There's a lot of people, so that that area can kind of be, you know, in a situation where they hit hard. And Baylor is known for their for their medical school and and and, and what happens there scientifically. So I mean, I could see, you know, those people over there kind of being cautious and being, you know, well, let's let's see what the scientists and everybody else say first before we just allow all our students to come back on campus. Yep. So, so, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Right, yeah. I mean, Baylor and Texas and OU as well. We heard Lincoln Riley's comments last week where he said, you know, better to bring them back too late than to bring them back too soon. It's just, I mean, it really is a safety issue. And, uh, you, you know, honestly, I'm really glad that I'm not the one who has to make the decision because you're going to upset people no matter what. If you, if you start bringing players back in mid-June and you get the season started on time with no fans and college football's played, there are going to be a lot of people that are elated and are so glad glad that college football is back and then there are going to be a lot of people that think that you are being irresponsible and that you're even further exploiting these unpaid athletes and and that's why to me this is such a sensitive issue at the college level much more of a sensitive issue than it is at the professional level because the on at, at the professional level the MLBPA and the NBAPA and, and the the NFLPA these players associations have to come to agreements with the leagues the players would would have a choice they would be allowed to sign uh, a waiver they would have the choice to sign the waiver or to not play and if they played they would be paid now whenever you're dealing with unpaid uh, athletes in college athletics that many people would argue already are exploited for the financial gain of the universities and of the coaches if you bring them back too soon uh, and, and some of these young men wind up catching COVID then you're going to have a further conversation about the exploitation of college athletes, which is why at the college level, I think it's even that much more sensitive of an issue. And it's an even tougher decision for those at the top to make. 
Yeah, because, I mean, it's all about who has a voice. With the Players Association, with the NFL and the NBA, they have a say in the matter. They have a voice. They can, you know, speak their mind. They have a vote. And as far as college goes, and just like you said, this is a situation where these guys are being told what to do. Their futures are not in their hands. They have the option of nothing. You sit and you wait and you let the guys who make the decision say if you can or should come and risk your future or if you should or should not and come risk your future. And, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I know people are sitting there saying, well, nobody's holding the gun to their head. They can stay or they can sit and stay at home and, and not play. I mean, it's a privilege to be a Division One athlete and that of this and that of that. Yes, that's also – something that could happen, but let's be realistic here. I mean, if these players are told, hey, come out here and play, your scholarship is on the line, they're going to have to go out there and play. I mean, not a lot of these kids have the option of, you know, you know, dismissing those orders and saying, nah, I'm going to do what's better, what's best for me. No, what people are, are in situations where they are living and dying off what and I, when I say dying, I'm uh, being a little you know over exaggerating, but the it, term it's expression. Yeah, but they're living and dying off the the choices that individuals who make all the money make, and and that because of that, they're in a street. When you when you when you're accepting that money and you're accepting all the the rewards that come from 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 the game, you have to make these tough decisions as well. And so somebody's going to have to do it, and I'm just glad it's not me. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I hope that they make the right decisions. Look, I want to see college football back as much as anybody. You, you think we enjoy, um, you know, ha- having to create our own con? No, we love we love football. Football is yeah. everything for those of us who work in sports media. So I, as much as anyone, hope that college football makes uh, makes its normal return in September. Now, I, I don't know, obviously not completely normal, but uh, some sort of return in September. I want to, uh, Dion, take a quick break and then come back. And now I want to get into kind of the stuff, uh, ask you about what your normal offseason was like uh, as a Division One athlete and then kind of figure out how these guys are going to get their bodies, minds, uh, and everything ready for the season. I want to remind everybody to head over to BuiltBar.com. That is BuiltBar.com. Every show in the month of May across the entire Locked On Podcast Network is brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to their website, scroll down, see all the flavors, uh, figure out which ones you think you might like. You can put together a variety box. You can order one flavor. You can also get the Built Boost, which is all natural supplements and energy. Has a lot of great vitamins in it. No caffeine. Uh, everything is made in a, a completely nut-free environment. Uh, Environment. So if you're allergic to nuts, you don't have to worry about that with Built Bar. It is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar until you try it. You're just listening to me and you're trying to figure out what I'm talking about. They sent me a whole box of them. They were gone quickly. You've got to try it. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On to receive $10 off. That's BuiltBar.com. Promo code Locked On to receive $10 off your first order. Going to take a break. Dion Amade wraps things up with me next here on Locked on Pokes. Welcome back. Closing things out here on a Wednesday on Locked on Pokes. Dion Amade joining me as he does every single Wednesday. So like I was saying, Dion, I want you to take me through Obviously, you played football at Oklahoma State, uh, 2010 to 2013. Um, I got those years right, right? 
I didn't mess that up. Yeah, you got it. Okay, 2010 to 2013, uh, Dion was there. So kind of a, a heyday of Oklahoma State football, if you will. Um, so, so what is the life of a Division One athlete like from the time the bowl game finishes up and you have kind of your, your exit meetings or whatever you want to call it uh, and, and classes get started? So what's it like from that point until the next season starts? What are you doing playbook-wise? What are you doing physically to make sure your body's in shape from essentially the the first to mid-January uh, until the season starts around September 1st? Well, I mean, that period that you're talking about right there, those are the times that you really decide if you want to be a college football player because, I mean, it's all fun and dandy, you know, during the year. I mean, once you get through, you know, fall camp, uh, it's pretty much all the fun, good stuff, the reward for all the hard work you put into the offseason. But once that offseason hits, man, whew, it is so rough. The class schedule gets a little bit kicked kicked up a little bit more because it's the offseason. They can give you your you know harder classes because you don't really have to go to team meetings like you you normally do. Okay, real, real quick, let me interrupt. Like, let me interrupt because I know as a as a, a typical college student, you know, I would take 12, 15 hours, whatever that is. Do they? load y'all schedules up in the spring and summer so that you can have light schedules in the fall like were you were you only ever taking 12 hours in the fall or how did your hours work i we i only took 12 hours in the fall only 12 hours in the fall and then the summer and the and the winter uh spring semester was when everything was kicked up you could have like 15 hours in the spring and then you have uh, if you stay for Maymester, you take one class, and in the summertime, they kick it up even more, even more, where you're taking like two, maybe three classes during the summer. It's, uh, it intensifies at that end, just but they do that so you can stay on track, and you can, you know, you know, your time won't be, you know, so restricted for football during the fall. Yeah, that so makes they, sense. They make it, they make it work, you know. But when that when that spring semester does hit, though, it's it's kind of it's, it's rough, man. I'm not gonna lie to you; it's really rough because you, depending on who you are, you gotta uh, work out during the time slot of your group. So you go and you hit the weight room, and then you come back. And you go to your classes, and then you come back at two o'clock for the uh, conditioning part of the off season, which is, oh my goodness gracious, I'm telling you right now, it's not, like the best day is competition day, but after competition day uh, is, two, is like the Thursday workout is brutal, man. I'm telling you like it's like six stations, you're constantly moving, constantly running, and then you end it with the offensive line has to run like 40 yard, 50 yard dashes, and they probably, you know, run about like 20, maybe 30 of those, and then the, the skill position guys have to finish with 200. But, like, we make this joke all the time. Anybody who's run track and, you know, you know the speed that the, the wide receivers and the defensive backs and the running back pad on the Oklahoma State team, and it, so a lot of those guys, especially being from Texas, you've ran track. Anybody who's run track knows that's not a three a 200. That's not a 200 meter. That's longer than a 200 meter. That's probably a 300. Everybody who's running knows that that's not a 200. So you're running probably like 10, 
12, 15, and the, and the longer the offseason goes, the more numbers they, they pack on to those 200 to finish off that workout. And they really, it's really gut check time, man. They really make a man out of you after that. Did and you, then, so you, and, you were there through 2013. Just real quick, was there any overlap between you and Tyreek Hill? Did you have a year of overlap with Tyreek? Never had. The, the year I left, it was the year Tyreek came. Okay. I thought maybe and it I, was. I, I would have loved to see him on those two hundreds. I know what you were getting at there. I, I, I wanted to see. I yeah, I wanted that. to ask how fast he ran in practice. If y'all had any overlap, who who ran those two hundreds the fast on the team fastest on the teams you were on? Uh, it's not pretty much. Here's the thing: it's not the speed of it. It's who had the most endurance during it. And I remember that Craig had like crazy, you know, just. First of all, he was a go, uh, just a just a goofy, you know, and nothing bothers him, fun guy to be around all the time. Like he was never down, and it was showed because he was just never tired. He was always bouncing around. Zach Craig was one of those guys that really, you know, killed those two hundreds. I'm not gonna lie, Zach Craig was a, he was a beast out there. And what we did was we had a rabbit, and so the rabbit had to like push the pace. So we could all make the time. If one person doesn't make the time, then your group has to go again, and it doesn't count for your group. Oh. So everybody, like we, we we take turns being the rabbit. And if we ever got down and we're like, man, I can't go no more. We need a rabbit who's like already done it. Because by the time you get to the to the, the, the eighth lap, one person has already been the rabbit one time. You know what I'm saying? So we would always call on Zach, like, hey, man, get to the front, bro. Lead us, lead us. Justin Gilbert was a beast, too. He he, he, he did a good job knocking that thing out. But we always, like, get in the front and, and push the push the pace because we are not going to make it unless you, like, come in under, like, 22, 2020. <laughs> so it's, it, was, it was, oh, man, it was brutal, brutal, brutal. But not only that, but the next day, you have to wake up at 6 a.m., and then go and run the stadium steps over there at Boone Pickens Stadium. Like anybody who's played football at Oklahoma State, walk-on, scholarship player, trainer, they ask them about uh, Friday Stadium and, and the hell that was. And then after that, doing leg day, heavy squats, going, walking into that gym and your legs are shaking shaking like you have nobody's business like the floor like you're in the on an earthquake and your legs are shaking and then having to squat like 315 man they make a man out of you it sounds so, like it. So, so my question is now oh we've got a, not a whole spring semester but from about mid-march on for a lot of these young guys especially for oklahoma state it is essentially gone from that workout perspective and they've been having to be accountable at home and i'm sure these guys have been working out at home but it, it doesn't sound to me like you can replicate the kind of workouts and stuff you're getting at school with coach glass with what you can do at home by yourself so how much do you think especially the young guys for oklahoma state are going to be impacted but by, by not being on campus here for a few months to uh, to get some of these workouts in as well as any of these guys who are hoping to play earlier in their careers and having to learn playbooks. Yeah, I, I, I think they're going to have to, that's my concern, man, honestly, because they're going to have to hike up. When, when do you get, I got to get back. It's kind of the same, it's the same way in the summer, but it's not, as, as, the, the Thursdays are, are intense, but they're not as intense. You still have Friday stadium uh, during the summer, but I mean, 
I don't know how much they're going to have to intensify the summer workout from the spring workout because of the fact that these guys, you know, didn't really get the full picture of it. I mean, but honestly, they got the full, because they got into spring football, correct? They, they started it. They, yeah, they got a few yeah, practices so they, in, and then it all got wiped. So actually, they got the whole, you know, uh, spring winter conditioning under their belt. It was just spring football that they missed. So I think it's more of they're going to they're gonna go back to the same way it was during the summer, and then I think fall camp is going to have to be intensified a little bit because they didn't get through, you know, teaching and, and getting those reps that some of the players should have got during the spring. So I think as far as the conditioning goes, that's going to be straight. It's more of this summer, and right now we would be in Maymester where every most majority of the football players go home anyway. It's just coming back in June, getting back into that, you know, summer conditioning and getting ready for fall camp, that is going to be a concern. Yeah, absolutely. And and you, you say all these things, it just makes me think that Oklahoma State has even more of an advantage having such a veteran team returning 10 of 11 starters on defense, returning, exactly. you know, your, your trio on offense. Even you lose a couple guys on the O-line, but you, you transfer in a grad transfer who has been doing this for several years at the Division One level. So this all makes me think that Oklahoma State has even more of an advantage because – I mean, let's be real. They're they're not trying to break a whole bunch of impact players into what they're they're doing. I mean, everybody pretty much knows what's yeah. going on. No no turnover on the coaching staff. It should be a pretty you know seamless transition for all the Oklahoma State guys once they get back on campus. Yeah, if this was a young team, it would be very concerning. But with a, a veteran staff, it might be doing them even more you know help because you're allowing more rest for these guys that have played a number of minutes in your organ in your organization. And when you, when you come back, they're going to hit the ground running, knowing already knowing mentally what they have to do. It's just about getting their bodies in shape to do it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that is all the time that we have today. Dion, we will do it again next week. And I would expect that by middle of next week, by Wednesday, hopefully we will have heard something from the Big 12. I think the SEC is supposed to vote later this week on when to bring players back. And then the Big 12, I would imagine, will follow suit. Uh, I mean, if we're talking about what is today, let me pull up my calendar. Today is May 20th. So if we're talking about early to mid-June for a potential return, I think there's a good chance we know something next Wednesday as far as when these guys will be back. So we'll break it all down next week. Dion, appreciate it, as always. Thank you, Kobe. Absolutely. That's Dion Amade. Joins me every Wednesday here on Locked on Pokes. Head over to BuiltBar.com, sponsoring every show in the month of May. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On to receive $10 off your first order. That is all for today. Back Friday, Jack Klein will join me as he does every single Friday. Thanks for listening once again to Locked on Pokes. <laughs>